Welcome everyone to the Red Sky Fuel for Thought podcast. I'm Laura Growlick. In this episode, we cover the topic of cause marketing, whether it's still relevant today and what both brands and nonprofits should consider before entering a cause marketing relationship. Before we jump into our topic of conversation, I'll start by laying the groundwork through explaining what cause marketing is. Cause marketing involves the collaboration between a for-profit business and a nonprofit organization for a common benefit. It can also refer to campaigns that are social or charitable in nature put on by for-profit brands. Often, a brand's relationship with a nonprofit organization can help boost its corporate social responsibility, or CSR. In exchange for its ethical collaborations to the brand, the nonprofit creates more awareness for their organization. In today's episode, we've brought in a team of experts who will teach you more about the ins and outs of cause marketing and the do's and don'ts of entering a cause marketing partnership. We've structured our program today into two parts. Part one of our episode is led by Red Havas's Linda Toscano in a one-on-one conversation with Arlene Fortunato, founder of Fortunato Consulting Group and Interim Chief Development Officer at YW Boston. Then we'll take it over to yours truly, where I will lead a roundtable discussion with Katie Sherratt, CEO of Back on My Feet, a nonprofit combating homelessness through the power of fitness, community support, and essential employment and housing resources. And Dr. Merari Simeon, Vice President and Human Resource Executive at PepsiCo and member on the Back on My Feet Board of Directors. I can't wait to share the insights that Linda and I gained through our conversations. Shall we tune in? Arlene, welcome to the Red Sky Fuel for Thought podcast. We're so excited to have you. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, Arlene, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about the topic of cause marketing, because you've worked on both sides of the table. You've been on the brand side when you were with Citizens Bank, and you've worked with a number of nonprofits. And so you bring a really unique perspective to this topic. So the state of cause marketing today is, I believe, is about creating environments, work environments that people, particularly young people, want to be in. So it's it's proven that uh, cause marketing works, right? So 79% of the companies that report cause marketing campaigns say that their income increases when they, they get involved in these social enterprises. But I think really today, given the state of the economy, given the job market, given, given the, the silent quitters and the great resignation, the workforce is in crisis. And so the, the companies that have the opportunity to, to roll out a cause marketing campaign that is going to appeal to the profile of workers that they're looking to attract, that's, that's the opportunity that they are going for. So with that as a backdrop, what are the essential ingredients, I guess, for a successful cause marketing initiative, both from the nonprofit side, the cause side, but also for the brand side? So this this field is increasingly sophisticated. And, and when I was at Citizens, it's, it's 20 years ago, and the, the field has changed dramatically. So it's all data-driven, right? And the companies, corporations know a lot about who their customers are. They know a lot about what their customers care about, and they are looking for relationships with organizations that are going to deliver on that promise. 
but the key on both sides is authenticity. You know, there are many companies that go through bad patches and they get into a crisis a crisis mode where they want to solve a problem by bringing a, an organization in to say look how look how great we are we care about this we support this if it's a you know for example the NFL did it around women's issues with um with a lot of the scandals that were rocking the NFL around uh, spousal abuse and the other domestic violence that they have been dealing with but the nonprofits are much more sophisticated as well and they recognize that there is more to the transaction than money. So they, they, you know, the money is critically important. All the nonprofits, we all need it to survive, to do our good work, to advance our missions. But it is not worth the risk of aligning yourself with an organization that might not have the best intentions when they're thinking about working with you and through you using your brand. You know, brand, brand integrity is everything, as you know. I don't have to tell you that. But one slight chink in that armor is really difficult to recover from. The nonprofit sector is loaded with organization. It, it, it always surprises me the number of organizations that are out there and the people that are doing amazingly great work. If I am a donor, for example, and that's always top of mind for a nonprofit, mm -hmm. If I'm a donor and I'm I want to make a contribution to an organization and I see that they've done something with a company that I'm not quite sure about, it takes me five minutes to find somebody else who's doing equally as as important work in an area that I care about. So the the nonprofits are hyper vigilant about their brands. That's it's everything. And overcoming a negative, as you know, is much more difficult and much more challenging than putting a, a positive message into the market. Now, I couldn't agree more. I think you underscored a really in, important point about authenticity because with the, what I call the three Ps we've been navigating over the past few years, right? The pandemic, you know, social protest and polarizing politics. Many companies and brands have made pledges in response to employee customer community expectations around and in response to these issues, but community stakeholders at large are increasingly cynical about performative pledges, mm -hmm. if not followed by substantive progress against those, those pledges. And it is important for a, a company in, in this environment that we're operating on is to be sure they can operationalize right, that pledge. And really follow through and be think more carefully about what are the issues I want to engage on. Can I? What's that say do gap? Right. Mm -hmm. If I'm saying this publicly, it, are my employees experiencing this internally? Mm -hmm. And then if I am partnering with uh, a nonprofit and putting a spotlight on this cause, you know, am I overreaching in terms of? what I am doing, what I can demonstrate in terms of my actions right. around those words. And I think for nonprofits, to your point, it's if I'm going to work with a brand, want to go in with eyes wide open and be sure that you understand what the brand's commitment is, but how they are operationalizing, right, this pledge or this program and understand, you know, there's, there's none of us, no brand, 
no individual is perfect, but you know, what is the sincerity? How are they talking openly about some of the challenges? And then having that ongoing conversation rather than just because the the loss of donor and loss of credibility with your beneficiaries and other stakeholders is key. Yeah, no, it's 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 so true. And as you're talking, I'm thinking about the the racial reckoning that occurred after the murder of George Floyd in 2020 and the outpouring of support to organizations led by BIPOC leaders and the amount of funders, foundations and corporations as well that were just pouring money into diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives across the country. And, you know, the cynicism that the community experiences is real because if you look, go back and look at the numbers, a lot of those pledges were never fulfilled, the original ones. And, um, you know, I think this is this is an interesting time because of the need for action. And I think the advent of ESG as a sort of an umbrella over corporate philanthropy and cause, the environmental, social, and, and governance issues that are really in place to operationalize social mission and to legitimize that and to infiltrate it throughout the operations of the company from the, you know, from the board, the governance structure through the employees. There are many rubrics and lots of ways to to measure how are we doing, how are the companies doing? And it's all being driven by data, which is, you know, it doesn't the data doesn't lie. So if you are a nonprofit working in a specific sector and doing work that is measure you're trying to measure your impact the companies that are looking for partners are looking at that as well because they're too looking they, they don't want to be caught up short with a, a nonprofit that isn't delivering on what they are promising either so it is definitely this quid pro quo that is um being very uh, highly scrutinized it's it's an it's an interesting time to be in the f- the fundraising game because of things like that but it goes back to like really doing the homework, right? Mm-hmm. Is there a fit and alignment around the issue, right? Is there a chemistry fit in terms of how it work and, and sort of an understanding of what success looks like and have both sides, both the, the brand and the nonprofit really understand how the other operates, what their track record is, you know, in terms of what the brand does, its level of reporting around ESG and similar issues, but also for the nonprofit and how it is using its funds to support beneficiaries and and its governance. So it's really calls on a more extensive, slower approach rather than being reactive and being sure that both sides are setting themselves up for a successful partnership that has the intended impact mm-hmm. on the community, but having those benchmarks in place to track, you know, is this evolving the way we expect it? But then also being able to anticipate and manage potential bumps in the road and challenges, knowing that particularly if if both operate on multiple issues in multiple communities, they may not get it right 100% of the time, but really being thoughtful and having that ongoing conversation because these issues are not static right? either. They're, they're constantly evolving and you have to be very nuanced depending on the context of, of how 
whether it's voting rights or abortion rights mm -hmm. and such and how they're manifesting and and in the community where um, which you are operating and your your customers and employees are are living. Right. Exactly. I mean, I agree with you about intentionality and careful scrutiny and taking a, a measured approach with one exception. And I will tell you, during the pandemic, I was working for the Greater Boston Food Bank, as you know, and um, the, the pandemic gave the food insecurity community the thing that we could never get on our own, which was awareness of the problem and how deeply embedded hunger is across the country in lots of different communities. It doesn't have a, it's not monolithic. It could be your neighbor. It could be your elderly aunt, you know? So the level of awareness that was raised through the pandemic and, and the spotlight that's shown there caused a lot of very quick decision-making among not the usual suspects in the food space mm -hmm. to become supporters of food insecurity organizations. So you, you've asked me about examples of cause marketing that I think yes. are, are effective and work. And I would say that Feeding America, which is the National Association of Food Banks, they did an incredible job during the pandemic and, and really beyond in identifying corporate partners, quickly providing them with the, the information and data they need to see their impact right in real time, got the big dollars in the door, had a great network to distribute those dollars nationally so that if I'm a company headquartered, it, for example, like uh, the TJX companies, which is headquartered in Massachusetts and uh, but has a national footprint, they became a Feeding America partner. They gave untold millions of dollars, which they collected through their point of sale donations, which is a, a, the most effective way to do cause uh, mm -hmm. marketing, I think. Um, and then that money was distributed through Feeding America to the local organizations. So we in Boston saw what, what that company was doing. We were, we were benefiting, but also, you know, in San Jose, California, where they have stores, they were, they were getting money. And in Valdesta, Georgia, where they have stores, they were getting money from TJX. So Feeding America has a really solid network and a really solid plan for how to distribute these massive gifts. They got a huge Mackenzie Scott grant early on, and that was distributed through the network. They're, they rely a lot on this point of sale campaign. So you go to CVS and when you're checking out, they ask you, you see the question on the screen, do you want to round up? The roundup campaigns are incredibly effective and painless for the donor. And they, they raise millions of dollars. And, and CVS actually is an interesting company to consider when you think about cause marketing, because they're attached to lots of different things. So they do, they do the food insecurity roundup. They do, uh, I think they have a heart disease one. They do cancer. They do kids. I mean, they've really, that, that would be an interesting case study to look at how they arrived at that approach, that they are in lots of different areas of need and able to effectively parlay their brand across all of those different disciplines. It's, it's interesting. You just raised an, an, a really good point about Feeding America and, and that they also had, though, a muscle, right, and a discipline on how to activate 
when food security and, and scarcity really became at a national crisis level. It was already crisis, but I think our, to your point, our awareness of it during the pandemic put it at a different level. Mm-hmm. And they had the credibility, right? They had the infrastructure, they had the relationships that they could activate partners very mm-hmm. seamlessly right. and capitalize, right? And really help beneficiaries. So it seems that another lesson is to really for nonprofits that want to engage in cause marketing, to really think about the infrastructure that you need to mm-hmm. be able to talk to a brand and be able to deliver you know, on that experience in a way that makes sense for your organization but also in, it enables you to tap in all of the touch points and the opportunities that a brand could potentially deliver. Yeah, right. Very true. I remember once when I was younger, much younger in my career and working on an event in Boston, it was the Tall Ships Brigade. And we were trying to find corporate sponsors. And I found a way into Coca-Cola and suggested to them that they might want to do a regional campaign with, it was called Sail Boston. And I, I learned that for, for Coca-Cola, regional is like North America. It's not New England or it's, it's the Southern Hemisphere. You know, it has nothing to do with our tiny little world. And that's where, you know, the scale thing is so important. But the, the other thing that when you were talking, I was thinking I definitely need to mention is relationships because it is mm-hmm. very much a relational business and leadership. So at Feeding America... The CEO, Claire Babineau Fontenot, is just an incredible presence and uh, fearless and will take on any challenge, reach out to anyone because she believes so deeply in the, in the mission. And so those relationships that happen at the highest levels of, of the decision-making tree are critical in getting the, you know, sort of the trickle down to have the marketing teams at the corporations recognize the value of what they are doing, not only because it's the right thing to do socially, but because it's going to help them inside the company to fulfill on a commitment or a passion of their CEO or their leader. So it, it is, it's just like the rest of fundraising, it's all very relational. Even though on its surface, cause marketing looks like a transaction, but to trace it back to its, you know, the beginnings of these campaigns, it really is a lot about the relationships that are built to move the conversation in the right direction inside the company. Oh, a a great point. And I guess my takeaways is for, particularly for brands and for the brand marketers and communicators listening to this podcast is, you know, as Stephen Covey would say, begin with the end in mind, right? Mm -hmm. Understand what you want to achieve and why, what are the causes that are really relevant to your employees, to your customers, to the communities where you live and operate, what are the needs? And then what are the potential partners? But go in thinking about, is this your involvement in this issue? How is it consistent with, you know, your mission, your values, the strategy that you've put in place, the pledges that you've made, Mm -hmm. and is it helping you operationalize and deliver against that? Can you actually fulfill the commitment to the nonprofit and together, are you really able to create a halo effect and, and create impact, right? Mm-hmm. You know, on on that issue and in opportunities to involve your employees, make it just all that much more powerful because then they get to experience it 
and understand it. And, and to a point you made earlier is increasingly, right, particularly among Gen Z and millennial employees, that connection to purpose and meaning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the expectation that, you know, my employer is going to do the right thing and be part, you know, and contribute to the betterment of the community. Yeah. And if they don't, I'll find somewhere else to work that will, you know, so that's, you know, the, the portability of jobs is really shaking up the, the whole job market as we know. Right. And increasingly, as, as you said, the cause marketing with employee engagement, positioning yourself as an employer of choice, all very connected. Yeah. And in, it is another way to show and rather than tell your mm-hmm. values, but to, to demonstrate what's important to an, an organization and a brand. Yeah, for sure. And I would say for the nonprofits to recognize that it's the cause marketing partnership is more than the money. And if you have those relationships at the top, there's the opportunity for thought leadership. There's the opportunity for networking in a way that you would never be able to do without that partner and use that relationship opportunity to get a senior executive onto your board. You know, that's the, the more that you can knit together the two entities, the more value there is for the nonprofit as well as for the corporation. Right. And at the end of the day, it all comes back to the good that it can do for the community and the people in the community that both organizations serve. Because right. it's one and the same. Customers are beneficiaries. It's we're, we're employees. We're, we're all sort of one audience yeah. and all looking for that support and, and that assistance. Well, yeah. Arlene, Thank you so much for giving us your time today. We we hope that you'll come back sure. and continue the conversation around this and other issues critical to the world of cause. Thank you. I'd be happy to. Now that Arlene and Linda have set us up with some of the basics on cause marketing, we'll take it over to a roundtable discussion with myself, Katie, and Merari to learn more about a partnership between PepsiCo and nonprofit Back on My Feet. We are so excited to have you join us, Katie and Merari, for a conversation on cause marketing and for the opportunity to learn more about the partnership between nonprofit, Back on My Feet, and PepsiCo. To dive right in, Katie, can you tell us a little bit about Back on My Feet's mission? Sure. Yeah, so Back on My Feet, we're a national nonprofit. Um, We're operating in 17 cities now. And we work with individuals in homeless shelters or recovery facilities to do what the name says, get them back on their feet. We started with a fitness-based program. So three, two to three days a week, members will come out and run in the mornings uh, with volunteers from the community. They'll run or they'll walk. Not everyone's a runner. I'm a really strong walker myself. Um, and they'll get to know the community. Um, and they'll start to build self-confidence or start to build self-esteem. They'll start to realize they can do things they maybe didn't think they could. If they commit to that aspect of the program, we move them into our workforce development program where we help them train and upskill and um, get employment opportunities with our many employment partners so that they can finally reintegrate and become self-sufficient. Excellent. And Katie, one more question for you. How does Back on My Feet partner with companies and brands? In a myriad of different ways. I think what's beautiful about our program, well, there are so many things that are 
a member crossing a marathon finish line being one. Um, anyway, what's so lovely about um, how we partner is employees within organizations can be right on the front lines of the problem that we're trying to solve for and be a part of the solution actively. They can come out, they can run, they can walk with our members, they can help our members build resumes. We have career counselor volunteer opportunities. So I think what's really special about how our program operates is the opportunities it gives to organizations for it to be a genuine partnership. So yes, both partners can benefit from the profile of working with a nonprofit doing good in the community. But what's really important, I think, in these kind of relationships is for your customers to feel that's a genuine relationship is that it's integrated in more than just the marketing sphere. It's connected to your employees. Your employees feel invested. So I think we work with a variety of different brands. PepsiCo <clears throat> has been fantastic to work with. Mirari drove that entire partnership. We're so grateful for her. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of how we work with them. I love that. And Mirari, we'll take it over to you. So you wear two hats today as the Vice President of Human Resources at PepsiCo and in leading the company's DE&I initiatives. But you're also on the board of Back on My Feet. So can you tell us a little bit more about why you and PepsiCo got involved with Back on My Feet? Yes, absolutely. Well, for me, the journey started back in 2016. I participated on a rugged and raw 20K trail run when I used to run a lot. Now I'm a powerful walker like Katie. Um, but the event, the event was sponsored by Back on My Feet. I didn't know Back on My Feet back then. And at the end of the event, I had the opportunity to hear the story of a woman at Back on My Feet alumni. And I immediately fell in love with the impact of Back on My Feet and the impact and transformation that it has on people's lives. I followed the organization for a few years and um, I started really seeing that Back on My Feet transforms lives every day. It's not just a story that they use for the rest of the year. Every day you have a powerful story. I joined the local advisory board in Dallas, and now I'm on the national board. So for PepsiCo to be part of Back on My Feet, it was a no-brainer. I am blessed to work for an organization that shares my values. PepsiCo is committed to effecting meaningful change in our communities, and this includes investing in the people in the communities that we work in. So for us at PepsiCo, being part of the vision for Back of My Feet supports everything that we live to do at PepsiCo. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, and now this is a question for the both of you, but we'll go ahead and we'll start with Katie. So how did this partnership with Back on My Feet come about? Well, as Marari touched upon, a lot of our partnerships come through individual relationships. Individuals become connected to our organization through these morning runs and walks or through a race event we're having or through a cocktail gala event we're having. And they see the power of the stories and they see the power of the impact that we have on individuals in their communities. And they want to get connected and they bring their organization along the journey as Mirari did. So um, the PepsiCo relationship is Mirari's doing. When you find someone that's passionate about what we do and sees the impact and believes in it, they bring their organization along with them if they're able to. And I think 
as Marari pointed out with PepsiCo, if your core values align, you know, if you're looking to make meaningful impact in a community, you're looking to help communities and individuals, then it's a natural partnership. You just have to figure out all the ways that you can connect. And they've been incredibly supportive with uh, helping our members find employment. Um, so an individual has been employed, I believe, down in Dallas with them. And I think that has it creates a snowball effect. Uh, you know, the more we're involved, the more we'll become involved. And it creates a really sticky partnership. It's probably not the best word to use, but a partnership that's sustainable and connected on multiple levels. Mm, absolutely. Um, and Marari, same question for you. I'm back on my feet and PepsiCo's partnership. Do you have anything to add here on how it came about? You know, the one thing that I would add, everything that Katie said is is right on. It is making sure that the organization's values, their organization vision also meets and supports genuinely back on my feet in this case. For us, it was a win-win situation. I'm sure you all heard of COVID. And during this time, there was a huge need. There was a, a shortage in talent that we all heard about. And back of my feet has the talent. They have smart people who just need another chance. And this formed for us just a beautiful relationship in three particular areas. I know Katie mentioned a few, but one is job opportunities. We're able to post our roles, our open employment opportunities where there's a need. So we, they may have some back of my feet candidates that may meet the needs that we're looking for. Another way that we do it is through employee engagement. Most recently, there was an event in Dallas where some of our employees engage in resume writing, interviewing, and really helping the back of my feet members. And then finally, through financial support. So there's different ways. But to me, it begins with, at least in PepsiCo, understanding the needs of the community understanding the needs of the business and how can we come together in this case, how back of my feet and PepsiCo came together to address both and genuinely solve the issue at hand, tackle homelessness. Mirari, there absolutely was a need for more talent during the pandemic. You heard about it all the time during the news um, or on the news. And certainly now in some industries and in some parts of the country, uh, that is still the case. So I think that PepsiCo's partnership with Back on My Feet is both incredibly relevant and important. Katie, we'll bring this next question over to you first. Um, so what does a successful partnership look like to you? I think a successful partnership to us are those multifaceted partnerships, those integrated partnerships at every level of the organization. Um, starting with, you know, employee engagement in those morning activities employee engagement in career workshops, resume building workshops, the company's engagement in hiring our members and being involved in the fundraising events that we put on and bringing their network to those fundraising events. It takes a village. You know, we need, as every nonprofit does, all the support we can get to continue to have the impact and grow. You know, the one thing that I would highlight that Katie said is that Yes, I sit on the board, but this work is really integrated into PepsiCo. So the HR team in this particular region, the West region, is working directly uh, with the team at Back of My Feet to understand the local needs in the local community. So even though we're national, we try to understand what the local needs are for both Back of My Feet and the organization. Now the goal 
and the West Division team is helping is to interact with other parts of PepsiCo throughout the nation. So by having it integrated, and it's not just Merari kind of cheering for back of my feet, it's really, truly our associates and our people in their local communities, touching people in their local communities and helping them be successful. So to me, that's critical to be able to have those local partnerships and which almost become like family because they are truly in your community at the end of the day. And Merari, you know, to add on to that, to ask you the same question as I asked Katie, in your opinion, you know, what does a successful partnership look like to you? Absolutely. Outside of the integration is you have to have the passion for investing in humanity and the passion for making meaningful changes in society. I look at it like these are human lives. These are fathers, sons, brothers, sisters, mothers, daughters. This is not a check the box. There is plenty of organizations that I would say can do that. But back of my feet is really, truly about transforming people. And for a partnership to be successful, I go back to it has to meet the values of the organization, the values of the individual, and really, truly have a passion for investing in humanity. And if you have that mix, that, um, that recipe, I think you can figure out anything. You can figure out what the needs are and really meet. You can meet from individual to business needs. So I always say homelessness doesn't discriminate. This can happen to anyone. And if you really have a passion for investing in humanity, we can do this together. We can be that much better together, which is what has proven to be true uh, at PepsiCo with uh, Back of My Feet. To close our conversation, I'd love to hear from the both of you on what two to three pieces of advice you would offer brand and nonprofit marketing and comms leaders listening in today about what to do versus what not to do when forming a partnership. So Katie, would you mind starting us off? Yeah, sure. So I think the biggest piece of advice, or quite frankly, the biggest learning that we've had as a nonprofit as we've brought on new partnerships in this space is ensure the value components are there, ensure it doesn't matter what that organization is selling. It matters that their values align to your values as an organization so that it is an authentic relationship not only for their customers, but for our stakeholders. It matters to our volunteers. It matters to our members who we engage with, who supports us. So it has to be authentic. It has to be genuine. And I think you have to make sure that that comes across in every aspect of the partnership. I think the second piece would be listen. Make sure you truly hear from the organization you're partnering with what their needs are and be prepared to tailor your approach. You know, we will we'll never change our program for anyone. We love our program. It works. But how we integrate those partners can look very different based on the needs of that corporation. One corporation may really want their folks to do a careers workshop. Another may want to put on a fun run. You know, we really try to tailor how we allow for that engagement because our program is individualized. No one individual is the same when it comes to tackling homelessness and what they've been through. And so we try to bring that individuality to how we create partnerships. Excellent. So you you shared with us some things that we should do. Is there anything that we absolutely should not do? 
I mean, it's almost the inverse of what I just said. Don't go into these partnerships blind. Don't take any old partnership on. To Marari's point earlier of investing in humanity, if it's clear that what is happening is someone wants to put money across the table to have their name associated with the work you do, personally, I run 100 miles from that. If you don't care for our members, truly care for what we're trying to do in the community, as well as obviously get some kind of business benefit from the partnership. But if you don't have that component, then we do tend to pull back a little, reassess, ask more questions, make sure that we're all on the same page about what this partnership's going to be for the both of us. And Merari, what are your two to three pieces of advice about what to do versus what not to do when forming a partnership? Yeah, absolutely. I would say you have to be clear on what you're offering, not just for the community, for your members, but also the benefit to an organization. And as I mentioned, the perfect example, there is talent and there's meaningful change in the community. That is something that was critical and that is critical to us. So being able to do your homework on the organization that you're meeting with and understanding their needs and their vision and to make sure that it matches. Because you, you can't go and try to sell to somebody if, if your values do not match. If they do not match, it's just like Katie said, it's, it's, it's only a matter of time before we separate. <laughs> um, so I, I believe if being able to do that. So the don't there is don't go blind. Do your homework. Make sure that you are addressing the needs of the organization. But also the other thing that I would add, which is really what I in, continues to inspire me every day about back on my feet is that everyday stories is the human beings that I could go in, you know, just 10, 15 minutes away and meet in the morning and follow those same people and see their success. So these are stories that are happening all the time. So I would say, do your homework. If it's somebody that you're looking to invest in, I did, I did my homework and I just continue to get blown away because back on my feet doesn't stop every single day. They're impacting somebody. So um, the thing that I would say, don't do, don't go in there blind. If you go in there blind, you might get surprised. Yes, absolutely. Love, uh, love the bit about doing your homework and, and not going in blind. Now, sadly, we must bring our conversation to a close, but wanted to say thank you both so much for joining us. Um, as communicators, we've now got some great takeaways in how we can create successful partnerships for our cause marketing initiative. So thanks again so much to the both of you and have an amazing day. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. You can subscribe to the show using your favorite podcasting app. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. And don't forget to rate and review today's show to let us know how we're doing. We hope you'll join us again for more of the latest communications, insights, and trends from the team at Red Havas.